Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and return Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Elizabeth All to the show, who served in El Salvador from 2006 to 2008 as a youth development volunteer. Now, I've mentioned it several times, but I send out a, a questionnaire for anybody who comes on the show to get a general sense of their responses before I ask the questions. And she told me in the questionnaire that one of her favorite memories was playing tag with the kids in their local park. But while that was a favorite memory, she busted out this amazing story of getting sued by a drunk ice cream salesman. Yes, she was actually sued for $7 by a drunk ice cream salesman and summoned to court over it. It's an absolutely hilarious story that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. So, without further delay, here is episode 25 with Elizabeth All. This is this is this is this is my my peace corps peace corps my peace corps my peace corps story story story. My name is Elizabeth All, and this is my peace corps story. It started in college, and all of my friends. Uh, I remember a lot of my friends going shopping with their parents to get a suit, and I did not want to get a suit. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll just look at the other options besides getting a job after college. And so I looked at joining the military. I looked at grad school for lots of things that I did not get into. And then I looked at Peace Corps and I applied and, um, uh, very quickly got in to the program, um, was offered to go to, uh, Dominican Republic, but I had to leave on the day I was graduating from college. So I asked if I could go someplace else <laughs> and, uh, they said, sure, uh, beginning of June, send you to El Salvador. And I said, great, where's that? <laughs> <laughs> and then I told my parents, and of course, uh, you know, I have a history, history degree, and I focused on colonialism. So I focused on the very beginnings of Central America and, the, the, uh, and South America and Africa and what, and what European invaders did to those cultures and, and areas and climates. Um, and so I told my parents where I was going and my mother goes, pardon the expletive, fuck, do you know what happened there? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, there was a, a civil war and, uh, you know, the gangs. And she was like, no, you, you can't, you can't go there. <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm leaving in two weeks that I like kind of pointed at the imaginary watch on my, on my wrist saying, I'm going. And I said, well, you don't have to stay. You just go. And if you don't like it, come back. <laughs> I said, I'm making a commitment. I'm going to El Salvador. So I get to Washington, D.C. for staging and I get sick. I get bronchitis. I remember being on the plane, 
going to the scene, walking past this guy who looked horrible and was coughing on a plane. And so I had bronchitis. And so I didn't get to my actual country and with my actual, you know, cohort of people until like four days later. So they had gone through all of this training and knew all this stuff that I knew nothing about. They went through earthquake training and I'm from Kansas and I didn't know what to do during an earthquake until an earthquake happened like a halfway into my service and I called somebody. Um, so, um, I get, you know, go through service. I live, you know, I lived in this little uh, town right outside of a bigger town, San Vicente. And I, I got to wake up every morning and look at a volcano. It was gorgeous. I knew Spanish before I went. So I was, um, a little more lackadaisical with the classes that they give you about language. I didn't, um, I don't want to say I didn't pay attention, but I, I knew the stuff they were going over. So I was kind of bored. So I would like skip class and wander around the town. Um, which I don't know if the Peace Corps knew that, but now they do. <laughs> um, and so I would, uh, but I got to be really good friends with one of my teachers and I still am really good friends with her. And so her and her husband and her family would invite me out at night and we would go out and, um, like go to dances or hang out or talk, you know, it was fun. I really enjoyed, um, the, the training part where we lived and the people who were supporting us and, and my, uh, cohort two two of those women were in my wedding, uh, Stephanie and Anna. And so, you know, they, we basically, you know, you have the ceremony of where you're going to be in the country. And they, um, there weren't a lot of people in El Salvador, but they would always, uh, they would, you would get down, sit down and get, be interviewed. And they would ask you kind of questions and try to suss out where they wanted to put you. And one of the questions were like, well, what do you think about the heat here? And I loved it. I loved the heat. I loved being 10, you know, 10 degrees away from the equator. I loved the heat. So I was like, the hotter, the better. So they sent me to one of the more arid parts of the country, San Miguel in El Salvador, which is a um, bigger town, like, southeast of the capital of San Salvador. Um, so, but even, I wasn't even in San Miguel. I was in Uluasapa, which in, I don't remember the native language means place of rocks. And it was no joke. Like there were rocks everywhere. Like that building in this place was awful because they had to like dig out, excavate tons and tons of rocks in order to actually build a house, a home, a school, a playground, anything. Um, and so I, I moved to Uluasapa and I was a youth uh, volunteer um, because a lot of the, the work I did when I was in college was I taught teachers how to use computers in their classrooms. Very basic stuff like how to make a PowerPoint presentation, how to like get kids on the Internet and find information. Uh, and I, I taught adults. I did not teach children. So I got to the village and they're like, you're going to work in the school. And I was like, okay, I don't, don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but they were really thankful that they, I had a name that they could pronounce, um, that I spoke Spanish already. Um, but that was, uh, it was a wonderful little village. And, uh, I, and I got to work with, I played, uh, I played tag with kids in the park at night. I had basketball camps because they all played soccer and I'm from Kansas and we invented the sport. It's really important that people know how to play basketball. In my opinion. Um, I 
got to work with, you know, kids that were my age or people that were my age. That a really cool part of my village was that, that there were people, um, men and women, who were my age, who had just gotten out of college, who were trying to figure themselves out, and we got to do that together. Um, I got to work with a college and help connect Peace Corps volunteers to university students who um, part of graduating from the university in El Salvador was to do uh, service learning. So you took what you learned and you applied it to a project. So they, ha so I was really helping kids at universities in San Miguel complete their graduation requirements and helping volunteers in the eastern part of the country get stuff done for free. It was it was pretty cool. Um, pretty cool experience. I met my husband in my village at a bus stop. Um, I was, you know, I really, it was, it was in a tropical country. It was 40 minutes from the beach, great street food, great music. It was good. I really, at, at the end of the day, people are like, was it a good or bad experience? It was, it was good. Well, that, that's, I've, I've generated so many questions for me as <laughs> I, I was just listening to that. Uh, yeah. One just trying to picture, you know, this this place of rocks and, yes. and 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 the houses and everything, and then one one thing that you said that was so interesting for me was the fact that you were able to connect with a lot of people uh, your own age. Yeah. Because uh, for me, it, it felt like everybody that I sort of hung out with were either little kids or people that were in their forties and fifties, uh, like the people that were in my age group of, you know, 20s and 30s were sort of, I guess, starting families and, and mm -hmm. doing that in their community. And I never didn't have much connection. And, but how, how was it? You said you were trying to, to figure yourself out at the same time that they were trying to figure their, their selves out. What were some of the things you guys talked about in the different conversations you had? Well, we talked about like, what was our purpose on the planet? Like, you know, Many cultures, I mean, even in the United States, we have a very prescribed notion of what a woman is supposed to be and do and what a man is supposed to be and do. And they, um, and they, they it was uh, relieving to them that a woman didn't want to get married and didn't want to do the things and uh, was excited about, you know, I have a bunch of my friends were in a band. Um, they're pretty good. They're still in a band <laughs> 10 years <laughs> later. Um, but they, uh, but they like wanted to, you know, not necessarily travel the United States, but travel and see things and do, you know, and not be married and not have to worry about, you know, pleasing their parents and, you know, messing things up and, and, and some of them did it. And then, you know, my, one of my, who, so ha my best friend happened to be my husband's best friend too. And he uh, got his girlfriend pregnant and they got married and all while I was in the Peace Corps. <laughs> and he was just like, I don't know how this happened. And I was like, I know exactly how this happened. You didn't know what you were doing. And he was like, I knew what I was doing. And I was like, well, if you knew what you were doing, then you, I mean, you have a baby and you have a wife and I mean, you can feel either way about those things and you don't have to do the things that you think you have to do. And so, you know, it was very, it was very interesting, but it was nice for them to, I don't know. It was nice for me to be able to tell people my age that saying like, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be that kind of woman. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sit at home and 
stare at a novella. I want to read a book. I want to ask you questions. I want to talk to you about things. And it's mm-hmm. nice. So. And then, so you, you met your husband while serving in, in Peace Corps. Uh, yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit more uh, about that, that experience? I mean, you, you said you met him at a bus stop. But yeah. from, from that bus stop forward, uh, what happened? So we, I remember this very vividly, and we still argue about this to this day. We were at a bus stop. There, no one else was at the bus stop. It was just him and me. It was like a one o'clock bus from the village to San Miguel, the bigger city. And we were sitting there, and we were both just, we kept looking at each other, kept trying to avoid looking at each other because then we'd have to talk to each other. The bus was late. So we finally, I finally said hello to him. And after I said hello to him, he said, why don't you work with our group? which was a group of all men about my age. I still had people, you know, men and women, but we usually hung out together. It wasn't, I'm not going to just go work with this men's group about something. And I said, point blank to him, I was like, people in the town would think I'm a whore if I went to a meeting with all of you. (laughs) He kind of looked at me and I was like, I don't know else how to sugarcoat this for you. And he was like, well, here's the solution. We'll all walk you home at night. We will have a meeting in the park open. Everyone can hear it and see it. And then we will all walk you home and none of us will stay. And, and I looked at him like, like, like there was no way for me to say no to that. I was like, yeah, he, he had you beat there. Yeah. Okay. And then he uh, talked to me and then uh, he, he's like, and I don't, and <laughs> he's like, I don't understand why you Americans just go places. Like, like, what are you doing here? And you just play with kids all the time. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be here, you know, helping the teachers, helping things get along. And he was like, well, you could, you know, talk about businesses and groups and getting us involved. And I just remembered, like, who are you? Like, who is this person? And so we just kept. And then so the, the group of this men's group invited me and we had our meetings in the park and they'd all walk me home and and then sometimes Luis and I would have meetings in the park and we would just talk to each other until nine, nine thirty at night until the, they turned off the park lights and then we, I would go home. And, uh, at the end of my service, we I said I couldn't live without him and that I was going home, but I, I was going home to apply for this visa for him. And, uh, he came and he's here and he's an American citizen now and he speaks English and, uh, works in logistics. So, Mm-hmm. And then I, I assume, you know, having a, a husband from El Salvador from the the area which you served, you've you've been back over over the years. Yes, a couple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, how have you seen things change? So in El Salvador, there are two economies running. There's a remesa or like money being sent back from the United States economy. And then there's the actual economy. So you, I mean, there's a Starbucks and a Walmart, like blocks from where we lived. Oh, wow. And, uh, but there's the prices that an American would pay. Okay. So I can go get a Frappuccino for like what, six bucks Mm -hmm. in El Salvador. I mean, but that's like 60% of what an average person takes home a day. Yeah. So that, it's just a really bizarre um, world. Like, I mean, they have, they have Facebook, they have cell phones with, you know, internet connectivity now. Um, I mean, when I was there, Wi-Fi was spotty there. Again, our friend Rodrigo, he was, uh, getting his undergrad, finishing up his degree in computer science. And so he had Wi-Fi that 
from his house to my house would hit. So I had free Wi-Fi in my village, which was just wonderful. <laughs> um, um, but I mean, it's, it's like the fact that there's a Walmart and a Starbucks and, but people living in object poverty, like right next to it. Yeah. That, that juxtaposition is sort of difficult for me to, to, to wrap my head around. Cause I mean, I, I served in sub-Saharan Africa and mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't a chain restaurant in my whole country or I think any country surrounding my country. Uh, so just to, to now see that and it, it's, it's difficult for me to understand, but it's interesting to hear. Um, have you tried to, I guess, continue serving that community since you have such strong ties to it? And how have you done so, if so? Um, so I've uh, connected them with uh, researchers and like resources online for, um, uh, for like things, you know, for schools and businesses. I, one of my, the the high school principal that I worked with, we talk a lot about of you know how to motivate teachers, how to get students on track, how to continue, you know, what's places things that they can use online that are free for learning, um, stuff like that. So um, you know, Luis's family, we don't send back a lot of money, but all we've sent all of his brothers and sisters through college, um, you know. So I mean, we and I'm, I'm still connected to the universities and the people that I worked with. Hey everybody, sorry for the interruption, but if you're enjoying this episode and the My Peace Corps Story podcast, please consider becoming a patron of the show. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash mypeacecorestory or mypeacecorestory.com slash support. Patreon is an online platform that helps creators like myself get paid and fund the projects that they absolutely love doing. If you want to help me continue to tell stories of Peace Corps volunteers for as little as $1 a month, please consider becoming a patron of the show. Head on over to patreon.com slash mypeacecorestory or mypeacecorestory.com slash support. Now, back to the show. And, and then one of the questions that I asked uh, was, your favorite Peace Corps memory, which you, you did touch on talking about, you know, playing tag in the park with uh, the kids and people of yeah. all ages. Is there another memory that, you know, sticks out like one of those either really positive or just funny or just those, those good, like, you know, stories to tell people. It's like, Oh, you're in Peace Corps volunteer. One of those ones that you sort of, you know, keep in your pocket to tell at parties. Do you have one of uh, those to share with so this, us? This is, um, my favorite story of all stories. Um, it, it, I was sued for $7 by a drunk ice cream salesman in the village that I worked in. I, like I said before, I, I had a basketball camp. Mm-hmm. And so we would be out playing basketball like the hottest part of the day, like 3 to 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I just taught them how to dribble. But to them, I was Michael Jordan because I'm 5'10". And their basketball nets were rather low. So I could kind of jump up and put the ball. It was, it was pretty like patting myself on the back. Amazing mm-hmm. how good I was, but I was like a, a bench writer in high school at best. Um, and so I'd have basketball camp and it was a bunch of kids and we just dribble the balls and be silly and have fun and just be outside. And, um, there was an ice cream salesman that would go around with his little truck and, you know, have a little bell on it. 
And uh, one day he was over. So the park, you know, it's in the middle of the town and the church is on the west side. And on the east side is like a, a dispensary for alcohol. Like a person's house, he gets beer and stuff imported to the town and he sells it. Mm-hmm. And he's over there and the ice cream man starts screaming cuss words in English. And of course all the kids know the cuss words in English. Um, and so they all, I mean, I just remember this moment where they all just kind of freeze and like, look at me, like, what is she going to do? And I just say, come on, let's just keep playing. Let's have fun. Let's not worry about him. And then he starts getting closer and closer to the park. And now I'm just worried about the kids. I'm just like, you guys just, I just said, just get off the court, just leave, just stay over here. Don't, don't touch him. Don't talk to him. And so the, he comes, he comes up to me and asks me if I want ice cream. Now in Spanish, you have the word invitar. So in most traditional senses, if I invite you to go get a coffee, that means I'm going to pay for your coffee. So he says, I invite you all to ice cream, which means I am giving you ice cream. You're not paying for it. And I just said, I was like, listen, we would like your ice cream, but we have no money to pay for it. And he says, I don't care. Have some ice cream. He's drunk, like 20 sheets to the wind drunk. <laughs> so of course I say yes. Yeah, <laughs> free, free ice cream. These kids like take him for all of his money, I swear to God. There, I mean, like later I find out one of my like star little basketball players was up in a tree. He's got a tummy ache because he had like six or seven ice cream bars. <laughs> um, it was... <laughs> um, so... The kids get the ice cream. They run off. I'm collecting my things. He's like coming out. Like he's realizing that he is, was drunk and did something stupid. So he starts yelling at me in the middle of basketball court. Like, and this is like at the time of day where people are, you know, like going home or like taking a little morning afternoon walk before they start preparing dinner. And, um, so the town is like coming out, like everyone is out and taking sides. And, uh, so I'm just like, like just trying to like maintain cool and not be the like the gringa that yells at the poor drunk man, um, and so, you know, I, I just kind of like just I like you you invited us to ice cream. What can I do? You invited us to ice cream, and my friend Giovanni who who lived in Canada, who so he spoke English, came by and he was like, "What is going on?" And I, I told him real quick in English so the guy wouldn't understand. Um, what happened? And so Giovanni pulls out five bucks from his wallet and says, gives it to the guys like here, leave her alone. And so, um, who I, the woman I found out later to be, uh, my husband's aunt, uh, Nina Terry came out and said, you know, she was like, just leave her alone. You're drunk. You were stupid. Like, yeah, she's an American and she probably shouldn't be here, but you were drunk. You were stupid. Leave her alone. So everyone's like, had been taking sides this whole time. So there are people who are like pro, like Team Elizabeth, and people who were repeating the, why is the American here? She's ruining everything kind of vibe. And so, um, you know, this people are starting to take sides and yell at each other about this thing. And the guy, the ice cream man had been paid off and the ice cream man's boss shows up in his truck big black truck pulls up to the side of the park to pick up his little cart and him take him back to the big city. And the the boss is like, what is going on? And so I tell him and the boss is like, well, you're, you know, like tells the, I don't even remember the ice cream guy's name. Like that's a bad part of the story. Um, he's like, well, you're lucky. She, you know, is giving you any money at all. 
you know, if I were her, I wouldn't give you any money and I would be out without the money. So like the rest of the, so he leaves and like for a week I get made fun of. Like people are like, oh, do you want ice cream, Elizabeth? But that means that you have to pay for your own ice cream. Like, you know, just teasing me. And there's a song about ice cream that was really popular at the time. People would play it and point at me and laugh. And I was like, I still speak Spanish. I still get the joke. It's not very funny. And um, that's fine. And then like a week later, the most gossipy woman in the whole town comes to my door with a summons to the court. <laughs> And she comes and she's like, no, no, it's just fine. Like you just calm and we'll, the, and the, you'll talk to the judge. And I'm like, I'm not stupid. I'm in another country and you're taking me to court. So I call the security officer, the secu- you know, for the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And after she like stops laughing and like puts me on speaker and makes me repeat the story. She's like, yeah, 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 we'll be out there. Don't worry about it. But I mean, I just remember her like laughing as I'm telling her the story. Like, of course, of course, Elizabeth, of course you'd be the one who's gotten sued for $7. Actually, he's suing me for $30. We'll get to that. Um, So the day of the court date comes. And so (laughs) Clelia, the security officer, comes in a big white truck from, you know, it says Peace Corps on the side of it. Uh, And we walk over to the the court room. That's a nice way of saying it. Uh, The judge comes out in Hawaiian shirt. Um, and khaki, like cargo pant, like shorts. Of course. Um, of course. <laughs> just like, puts his rough on over it. And he, um, he was, really, he said he's really excited about this case because it wasn't about chickens. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so you, and, uh, in El Salvador, you have a person of good faith that comes with you. It's kind of like arbitration. So you have a person of good faith for each side and you kind of like negotiate or like, you know, come to some agreement is what happened. And so uh, he gets to go first because he brought in the case and he starts saying that over 30 kids attacked him in the park for ice cream and beat him up and stole all of his goods. And he, you know, (laughs) and so my jaw, like my jaw has hit the floor. I am reacting. I'm like, what? And so Clelia, like, elbows me. Like, I can still remember, like, her elbow, like, getting between my ribs and just being like, shut up. Like, just listen. Just be respectful. So I have to, like, pick my jaw off the floor and, like, sit on my hands and not look at anyone until he's done speaking. And so then I, you know, relate what I had told you earlier. You know, like, we were playing basketball. He was drunk. He asked if we wanted ice cream. I said, no, we couldn't pay. He said, come take some anyways. And they did. So I kind of got to play the stupid gringa who's like, I didn't know that that word meant what that meant. And um, so, the, you know, the, the judge was like, now, I don't think it's a $30 worth of cake, but I think $7 would be a good amount to cover some of the costs. <laughs> so I had to I had to pay. Peace Corps paid $7 to settle this case. Uh, yeah, that's my story. And that is quite the story. I I don't know if many volunteers have stories of, of being sued while in Peace Corps. And if yeah. they, they do, they're probably not as funny as yours. They're probably actually pretty serious. Uh, so, I hope no one's getting sued in the Peace Corps. Yeah, it, I, don't, I don't think it happened. If, if anybody's listening to this and has been sued in the Peace Corps, please let me know. I'd love to hear your story. Uh, but no, uh, getting sued for $7 over ice cream 
is definitely a one of a kind story yes. that that only Peace Corps can afford you. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, like I, I remember those moments. I remember taking my students out to get food. I remember playing tag with kids in the park. I remember, uh, you know, long bus trips and going to the, you know, the ocean, going to the mountains, all those things. I mean, I, I did have bad things happen to me in the Peace Corps. It, mm-hmm. it happened. Um, I was um, threatened. Um, uh, a, a deported expert, no, a deported current gang member uh, told me he was going to kill me mm-hmm. um, because I, I was the reason that he had been deported. I, I was not. Uh, but that was a, a real interesting case for, for me to, to, to see people understanding that that is not, that may be something uh, other people play around with, but that was not something I had ever experienced before in my life and that I, I did not take it in a funny manner. And so I was removed from the country, little town that I was in to move to San Miguel, the bigger city, mm-hmm. um, because of, uh, um, because of, of what that, that man told me and how he behaved. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you have, you, I mean, it's life. You have good moments and bad moments. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, Peace, Peace Corps is life. It's life on the extremes yeah. yes. uh, most of the time. But yeah, it's filled with both the good and the bad. Yeah. Now, what do you miss about Peace Corps? Uh, and I guess how have you been able to in- incorporate that into your daily life to, to sort of, well, I guess, make up for not being in El Salvador? Um, well, I married a Salvadorian. Well, that so. helps. It helps a little bit, but I miss, um, I mean, I think everyone, the, like at the beginning of being in the Peace Corps, you, you are confronted with the fact that you, like, we were busybodies in the United States and we tried to get all these things done at once and we had to constantly be doing things. And I miss just being able to sit and, and not even be on Facebook, not even just sit and just like, let your body just kind of like, ugh, get it out, just sit and relax. I miss I miss that. I miss hammocks. I miss tropical weather. Um, I miss people being sincerely happy with what they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sort of related to that, is there something that you, you learned in Peace Corps that has, has stayed with you? Um one of the reasons why I became a teacher was because I saw a person go to school, work hard. Like school was not easy for this person. And he um, graduated from high school and got a, a job where he was able to support his family. Like and not like go do, you know, labor in a field. He got to go work in a store and use his knowledge every day and work really hard. And it was very impressive. And he, you know, he was the first person in his family to graduate from high school. He, um, he was really a wonderful student and cared and, you know, didn't, he didn't look down at the people that had to go work in the field, but that's, he didn't want to do that. And so he knew he had to do other things to not have that life. Mm-hmm. And it was really impressive. And you know, I just remember kids wanting to 
not necessarily their dream being like to go to the United States and get out, but like, I want to go be a doctor. I want to go be an engineer and like being able to say, you can do that. That's a possibility for you. You have to work hard, but you can do that. Mm -hmm. And now you're an educator in the United States. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still, you know, I work with kids. I've worked with kids from El Salvador. I still work with kids from, you know, lots of different parts of the world. And, and, uh, you know, the American, the idea of what an American is, is something that I, I can very, I mean, I'm, I'm blonde haired, blue eyed. So it's very American looking. Um, but reminding people in other countries, what America, what Americans are and what they do and what you can do. And so it's, we're not just the characters in the movies and America is not the movies or not what you hear. It's, this is what I'm, you know, being able to share, this is what America is. This is what you can be. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you for, for doing the good work that you're doing here in the U S now and in, 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 in teaching that, uh, to your students. And thank you for taking time today, uh, to tell your story, uh, the, Appreciate the, it. the, all the crazy stories. I really in, enjoyed them. Uh, yes. is there anything else you want to share with us before we, we close out the episode that we should know about you, your experience in the Peace Corps or anything else? Um, I think that I, um, that I, I, I had bad things happen to me. I had weird things happen to me, but I, um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be a Peace Corps volunteer, um, and to continue to remember and reflect on what that's done in my life. Um, and, uh, that I um, may have not, you know, had a great water project or dug a bunch of latrines, but I, I did something for a community that um, I hope continues to be there. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah. well, well. Thank you for 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 sort of ending on that note of the 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 understanding that it's not always the 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 things you really accomplish, but the experience along the way. That, yeah, that is important for a volunteer. I don't think the people who thought up the Peace Corps un- like, knew that that was going to be the greatest goal, mm-hmm. that that's the greatest um, part of being a Peace Corps volunteer, I, I think. No, um, I completely agree with you. And be- before we-, we close out this episode, uh, I-, I typically ask people to share a favorite uh, quote or saying. I really like yours because it's just funny as hell. Uh, uh, <laughs> would you please uh, share your your favorite uh, quote and, or local saying and uh, explain a little bit about it? So puchika means lots of different things depending on your context and depending on uh, with whom you are speaking. Puchika is like like more like a holy crap, but you could it could be fuck shit crap or wow amazing. Just really depending on what happens and uh, my my friend Stephanie named her dog that. <laughs> so that was my favorite to talk about. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, a good word that people can, I guess, uh, bring into their uh, American dialect if they want to diversify their, <laughs> their swearing and expletives. Yes. If you go to get pupusas and you go, Puchica, these are amazing. The person who made your pupusas is going to have a warm, warm heart. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I live uh, in in D.C. and my neighborhood <laughs> is heavily Salvadorian. My diet is like fifty percent pupusas. I'm not. Oh, joking. good for you. 
I'm not joking. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely going to let uh, Maria, my pupusa lady, my favorite pupusa lady, know. Because uh, I, I can't, I don't speak any Spanish. I can order pupusas and that's it. Uh, that's good. Uh, but I, now I will have an, another word to use uh, at my uh, local pupuseria. There you go. And uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy those. Those are the, that's, that's love. Mm-hmm. Every country has it. You know, that one dish where it's just like that. That is love. And in El Salvador, they're only 25 cents each. So, oh, I know. Oh, man. <laughs> I need, need to add El Salvador to the list of places to visit. Oh, I, that list keeps getting longer and longer the more people I meet. Well, it's so hard for me doing this show. I keep hearing about all these countries. I'm like, dang it. Now I got to go there, too. Yeah. That's what the National Peace Corps Association should send you, should send you to these places. I'm, I'm working on it. So we'll see that if we can get that in the works. Perfect. But for the time being, I'll, I'll use uh, my new word. So it's uh, puchica. 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 Yeah. So I'll use that here in D.C. and refine it before I, I bust it out in El Salvador. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking uh, time out of your day to share uh, your experience, uh, the highs, the lows, uh, and just just the, the rich stories that uh, are just really, really funny and enjoyable. I think people, this is going to be a... Uh, just a fun episode for people to listen to. Uh, and, you know, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you. I really appreciate you doing this and letting me share my funny past. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, if you want to stay better connected with me and the My Peace Core Story podcast, head on over to com. If you want to know my personal Peace Corps story, please check out my book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. Every volunteer has a story. What's yours?